This is your host, Michelle M., and welcome to the very first episode of the Happy Pelvis Podcast. I've been pitter-pattering with this idea for a while now, and wondering if many of you would appreciate this platform to get your pelvic health and information and education. I've been doing so on Instagram now for nearly four years, and I would love to bring that over to this podcast to educate and bridge the gaps in our pelvic health care, as well as bring much needed awareness to the hurdles us individuals face as a result of living with persistent pelvic pain. I'll be interviewing a variety of practitioners who help patients just like us manage our chronic pain, as well as connect with others within the community who are living, struggling, or striving with pelvic pain to be able to provide helpful tips and guidance on getting the right care you deserve. As many of you can attest to, the many years of gaslighting and being made to believe that our pain was not real or in our heads because doctors couldn't explain what was happening to us, it really wears you down. So I want to provide you with hope. In today's first short episode, I will be diving into my personal pelvic pain and chronic illness journey and dive a little bit into why I started the Happy Pelvis. So let's jump right into it. My journey with pelvic pain started at a young age. I was around eight years old and I suffered a tailbone injury from a tobogganing incident. I was tobogganing with my father and sister and we went down a hill and my dad and I fell off the back and he too suffered a tailbone injury. But the difference was he recovered and I didn't. I ended up going to the doctors um, and they tested everything and everything was okay. So I went on my way to live a life trying to adapt to sitting with tailbone pain. Um, I was too embarrassed to use my donut pillow at times, so I began to guard and adapt my body. Um, I will get into that a little bit later, but once I hit puberty around 13 years old, I got my period and uh, it was very painful and heavy. So I went to my family doctor and they prescribed me the birth control pill to help with that. And then the vicious cycle of urinary tract infections and yeast infections began to occur. Uh, If there are any listeners who suffer from chronic urinary tract infections and yeast infections and are well aware of this cycle, uh, my heart goes out to you. I suffered for over over a decade and it it took its toll. But um, anyways, I I ended up um, getting on multiple treatments, multiple creams, multiple suppositories because 
my doctor believed it was yeast and then believed it was bacterial vaginosis. Um, and I was on a cycle of all of these medications and I then began to develop vulvar pain. And at that point, my family doctor sent me to a gynecologist. It was at this gynecologist's office where I learned the terms vulvodynia, vestibulodynia, because I was diagnosed at the age of 15. Um, and there was um, a possibility that I was struggling with lichen sclerosis based on findings of um, at the exam. So they sent me on my way with a vulvodynia and vestibulodynia diagnosis telling me that there was no known treatment um, but we can provide these numbing creams. The numbing creams did nothing <laughs> and um, I was then sent to a dermatologist who looked at my vulva and believed that the irritation possibly could have been from all of the treatments and not lichen sclerosis. So they did not do a biopsy and to, to find out because they were aware that by doing so, someone at such a young age, it can potentially cause more pelvic pain. At the time, I was frustrated. I just wanted to know what was going on so I could fix it, right? Um, so I walked away from that appointment like, okay. So they provided me with treatment for lichen sclerosis. They provided me the clobidisol cream to use and to stop everything else I was doing. So I did that treatment and things began to improve a little bit. However, I still had pain, but the skin issues were improving. So I, the years go on and I get older and I begin to date and I notice that being intimate hurts. Um, so I go back to my doctor and discuss that with him. And I was then tested for every sexually transmitted disease or infection under the sun. And after all those tests came back negative, they spoke to me about painful intercourse and how using a lot of lubrication and sometimes drinking a little bit of wine could help. Um, and of course, none of that helped. And I visited their office multiple times and I was, every time I left, I felt disappointed because none of my health concerns and pain was really addressed or given a solution. 
So I went back to my gynecologist's office and they too did a million <laughs> tests, including STIs and everything came back negative. Um, so I got the talk about vulvodynia again and painful intercourse and using lubrication um, and numbing creams that never did work. Um, and yeah, every time I went back to my doctors complaining about pain, I would automatically get tested for STIs, which is important, don't get me wrong. Um, however, at that point, I had only been with one partner. Um, however, I could tell that they were looking at my age and possibly believing I was maybe promiscuous. Um, the pain that I would be going to the doctors with, with concerns about would be um, pain at entry, um, pain around my urethra, clitoris, my urinary uh, pains in regards to my bladder pressure. Um, I would have cramping at this point, um, but they would say cramping is normal with periods and sometimes it happens after sex. And yeah, I began to really, for lack of a better term, suck it up <laughs> because there was no other options available to me. Um, and I, I went through my life living with chronic pain that was never addressed. And so I got into my 20s, I graduated college and moved into the workforce. And right away, my colleagues noticed the amount of sick days I was taking um, for my chronic urinary tract infections. Um, even feeling unwell and just needing an extra day off. Um, when I look back on those days, I would take public transit on the TTC subway and there would be a lot of delays if you're <laughs> from the Toronto area. You know exactly what I mean and it always seemed to happen on the days where I had a flare-up or a urinary tract infection and I would be on the subway in tears not being able to sit getting off on different stops to try to find a bathroom being late for work because of this um, this was uh, a reoccurring theme that began to happen more and more. My manager at the time was very kind and very empathetic of what I was going through. And they actually guided me into the direction of seeing a naturopath because I wasn't getting anywhere with Western medicine. So I took the leap and I went to a naturopath and they 
were able to allow me to get better control over my urinary tract infections. So, and getting more control on that meant showing up more in my life, um, which was great. However, they weren't able to resolve all of my problems. They did acupuncture, I tried supplements, and I still use those supplements to this day. They're incredibly helpful. Um, but my pain continued, and uh, a few years after that, I ended up having a debilitating flare-up that I could not get control over, and I ended up having to leave my role as a graphic designer um, and focus on my health. So I, at that point, I was in a dark spot. Um, my pain was unmanaged. No doctor could really tell me what was going on. And I ended up doing a lot of research on my own and I began to advocate for myself because the research that I found and the communities that I found online, on Facebook, on Google and Reddit, I, I learned the right questions to ask. I learned about the right doctors I should be seeing in the area. And I was able to get into the right specialists, which then diagnosed me with endometriosis, pelvic floor dysfunction, bladder pain syndrome, or better known as interstitial cystitis, lupus, and um, there's a lot of anxiety and depression that underlies a lot of that too. Um, when the pain cycle goes up and down, it, it really takes a toll. Um, however, since that point and since having a couple of surgeries and really understanding more about my pelvis um, and what's been happening and why I'm getting the pain that I'm feeling um, has been very validating and inspired me to start The Happy Pelvis. And when I started it, it was more of a creative outlet while I was on disability. But uh, since then, it's really grown into something that gives me a lot of meaning and purpose in my life. Um, since starting my blog and Instagram, I'm so blessed to be able to connect and educate so many people around the world who are suffering with pelvic pain or other chronic um, illnesses. So if anything that I said in the last few minutes has resonated with you, uh, I want you to listen up. Your pain is real. You should never let a doctor make you feel like your pain isn't worthy of further exploration. If you know something is wrong and your doctor is failing their duty to help you, you should seek out a second, third, even fourth, or how many opinions you need to feel comfortable with your health care. You will eventually find a doctor that emphasizes, empathizes, and sees your pain for what it is.
pain, not just anxiety. Your pain causes the anxiety, not the other way around. I truly hope the Happy Pelvis blog can inspire and motivate you to learn to love your pelvis and take control of your health. So please enjoy this season of the Happy Pelvis. Um, hopefully it'll keep growing and more and more great um, guests can come on and speak and share their content and information to educate the community. Um, that's my dream. So thank you for sticking around and for listening to this whole episode. Um, I really appreciate your support. And um, if you need to get into contact with me, uh, if you have any questions, Again, my name is Michelle, and you can find me at thehappypelvis.ca. I also wanted to share a valuable resource that myself and another Canadian pelvic pain warrior, Leah Lanny, from Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, we've created a ultimate resource guide for vulvodynia and pelvic pain, and we collaborated um, in 20, I believe, 2019. And it all started with Leolani uh, sending me an email with a Word document with great resources to help individuals with pelvic pain. And it really resonated with me because I had a similar document of things that I have collected over time that um, really helped me. And I always kept that on hand. So I thought that her idea of sharing this awesome resource guide with the community um, was incredible. And so we collaborated and it took us a while uh, to really uh, get uh, it in a good spot due to our health and our pain and other obstacles. But we finally did it, and we're actually working on volume two right now, which should be released in the next week or so. So if uh, this is a resource that uh, interests you, uh, you can check it out at thehappypelvis.ca, and uh, there's a link to it on the homepage. Thank you so much for getting to the end of my very first podcast episode. It... Uh, was a little bit choppy here and there and hopefully I can improve upon my podcasting skills in future episodes but I appreciate your support and uh, yeah I hope you're having a low pain day and I'll uh, talk to you guys on the next episode have a great day bye